time now. What's up, horror fans? Pete here from the Lassercast, and the 4th of July weekend is here. 4th of July is coming up next weekend. Boy, don't you just want to go on a road trip with your in-laws and just go drive through the desert? That sounds that sounds like a lot of fun, right? Hook, hook the trailer to the station wagon and just let it go, you know? Yes. Danny, uh, do you, would you uh, prefer to either go on a road trip with the extended family or get attacked by mutants and hillbillies and stuff in the middle of the desert? So I, I don't know if I've ever gone on a road trip with the extended family, but I have gone on vacation with my extended family. Okay. So it's definitely the cannibals. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed watching this again and, and full disclosure. And I, I mentioned this to Pete right before I watched both the original West Craven, 1977 Hills have eyes and immediately rewatched the 2006 Alexander Aja uh, remake. And as somebody who, and I'm, I know you live in Texas, so I'm not claiming to have carte blanche on the West, but, uh, <laughs> I've been to, I spent a week in Hollywood. I've been to Vegas twice. Um, and I just, or a few months ago was in Scottsdale, Arizona. And Athena and I did like a long drive to the Grand Canyon and uh, to Sedona. So we like, I was driving through uh, a lot of this territory. Um, mm -hmm. Or at least what feels like this territory. Like long desert drives. And... Uh, I did get some flashbacks. Uh, didn't see any cannibals when I was in um, Arizona during spring break. Uh, we did do like a, a six hour round trip drive to Tombstone, Arizona, which was a ton of fun. That's and, cool. you know, like the, the craters and the, just the, the, the beautiful mountains in the background like that. I, I love it out there. Now, would I like to be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Would I like to have my car die in the middle with, uh, you know, uh, 50 years, uh, for, uh, like 30 years before the cell phone? No. Uh, so, <laughs> Yeah. It, it's um when you think about that setting, it's perfect for this kind of movie because it's just so bleak and oppressive. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking, if you guys haven't guessed by now, we're talking about the 1977 uh, The Hills Have Eyes. It's the cult movie. It's the second Wes Craven movie. It's his follow-up to The Last House on the Left. And then uh, Danny mentioned this before, but I am a, a big fan of the remake, the Alexander Aha uh, remake. So we're going to talk about both today. We're finishing out our Wes Craven month. And um, both films are just really fucking brutal and upsetting. And I think that this desert setting that you're talking about is like just the perfect setting for that you know it's like there there's nothing there's no escape from it it's just like dry there's no water in either of these movies there's there's barely any trees at all it's just rocks and fucking dirt and death <laughs> yeah and uh cannibals and then i guess we can go with cannibal mutants in the in the remake yes yes so let's talk a little bit about what made this movie happen in the first place. The 1977 Hills have eyes. So Wes Craven actually didn't want to make a horror movie as his follow-up to the last house on the left, but basically he ultimately ended up making this for financial reasons. Like he was trying to get some other projects going, but uh, just, they weren't taken off. And so um, he based this on a real life 
story of a Scottish cannibal named uh, Sawney Bean. Have you ever heard yeah, of Yeah, the Sawney Bean family. Um, apparently, they were like a cannibal family in, I believe, the 16th century in Scotland. Um, and I was doing a little research that it literally took like the King of England to go or like the King of Scotland, King James, the, the whatever. Uh, I always get murky on English history. Um, but one of the kings actually like sent like an expedition to hunt uh, Sonny Bean down and have him executed. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those like old like stories that like as long as i've known about this movie i've always heard oh it's the it's kind of like it it feels very similar in a lot of ways um in in a lot of ways uh it feels very similar to the texas chainsaw massacre oh yeah yeah. um and i say that in part because wes craven basically was this is kind of his you know unspoken remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was a huge fan of that movie and Toby Hooper. Right. Um, but in, in like, whenever you hear about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, everybody always goes, oh, it's, it's the Ed Gein story. And if you know anything about Ed Gein, it really isn't. Uh, Ed Gein never chainsawed people. Uh, you know, yes, there's like, you know, the whole idea of like using human bones and, and human flesh in his like arts and crafts. Uh, but that's pretty much as far as it goes. But there's always that legend of like, oh, Psycho was based on Ed Gein and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on Ed Gein. And then you'd look up the, te- uh, the Hills Have Eyes and the first thing you'd always see is the Sony Bean story. Yeah, And like, I, I can't imagine, like, so like when I heard that, you know, being probably 14 or 15 when I, I first encountered this movie um he I'm thinking Sony Bean is like this person from the early 1900s you know and then I look and he's like from the 1500s in Scotland and I'm like there's you know this feels like something Wes Craven must have heard of one day and been like ah oh, cannibals you know picking people off let's do that right oh yeah 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 yeah, like extremely loosely based on, right? Just that, that little nugget that gets your imagination rolling. And it's a terrifying thing. Like, you know, you are living in Brooklyn right now, and I lived in New York for the first 26 years of my life. And when we go on trips, it just feels different because you're not in the city. You're not around, you know, police stations and hospitals and just constant people around to kind of take note and get help if need be. When you get to these desolate areas, whether it's a desert or like a wooded area, you're always worried about these kind of freaks just hiding out there that are going to jump you. It is like a a, a pretty bad nightmare for guys like us, you know? Um, And, you know, it's sort of unreasonable because for the most part, you don't have freaks like this, but this is like the worst case scenario in this movie. They, um, you know, we have this family, and, and what I found really interesting was that um, I, I've seen the the remake multiple times, and I love the remake. And when I watched this, this was the first time I ever watched it on Tubi. Thank God for Tubi. Um, and it was like surprising. Like the two stories are very, very similar. So I noted, especially this is the first time I ever did like a literal one movie ended, started the next movie. Yeah. So. I always make this a thing about Rob Zombie's Halloween where I, I, I really give Rob Zombie credit yeah. is the first half of his Halloween remake is completely different. It's a completely different take on Michael Myers. And 
I know right. I don't want to get into it. People might, you know, uh, you know, hate his vision of Michael Myers, and that's perfectly fine. But I like when I go into a remake and it's something different. I don't yeah. want to watch Gus Van Zandt's Psycho. Okay, yeah. I, I don't want to watch that, uh, and I don't want to watch cheap cash grab sequels right. uh, or or remakes. Uh, what always bothered me about Rob Zombie's Halloween was that when Michael escapes from the institution, it basically becomes a complete remake of the original film. Right, right. This movie does the complete opposite of that. <laughs> Alexander Aja's 2006 remake, the first 40 minutes are like beat for beat. Like, yep, yep, yep. like to the point where they even like reuse almost entire, like, uh, if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, the the biting off the head of the bird and drinking the blood is done like beat by beat. Uh, it, the the way the family is attacked, the way that the dad and the and the the brother in law or the son in law go in opposite directions and they leave everybody behind, and it's even like the opening scene with the uh, gas station attendant. These yes. scenes are the first forty plus minutes. To the point where watching them back to back with the 2006 movie, I was like, oh man, I, I don't remember it being this on the nose. Now, granted, it was almost 30 years later, 1977 to 2006, but then it's the second half of these movies that uh, the, the, the Alexander uh, Aja movie goes in a, a very, not very different, but uniquely different direction uh, of like the mines and the cannibal and the, the mutants and the nuclear radiation and everything about that. Uh, and so I think it does separate itself from the Craven's film. Uh, and I think that's a great way to do it where it's like you re you reestablish what the original film is doing. You set the, the that same story in motion and then you can kind of take it and tweak it as you go along to create a new film. Um, I I mean, the original movie for me, the thing that sticks out the most for me is really the the movie box itself. Like the, the, the just Michael Berryman, his face was like used to market this movie. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. And yes. like he's on the original poster, he's on the original VHS box. And I remember seeing this in the video store when I was younger and not understanding how they did his makeup before I realized later on in life, obviously, that it wasn't makeup. He was born with a very specific, I didn't write it down. I'm, I'm sure you, you could look it up real fast, but he was born with a very specific condition um, that, you know, I, I think like his he had to have like multiple surgeries when he was young and his head is, you know, I, I don't mean to be, I'm not saying this to be me or anything, but he's slightly misshapen and oh, he yeah. just, he looks like he was born to be a horror movie character. And yes. he's to his credit, he's basically, he's basically taken this movie and, and used it to launch a career. He's still active. He's still alive. He's still active in horror films. Uh, 50 years later almost yeah um and he's one of the most recognizable genre actors that we have he goes to horror conventions all the time uh i mean so kudos to him for making such a great career of of this yeah. but like 
I remember being genuinely unsettled by his appearance as a yes. kid because yes. he was so front and center in the marketing. Oh, yes, yes. Did you ever meet him at a convention? I might have met him in passing. I, I don't know if I ever, like, stopped to meet him. But yeah. from everything I've ever heard, he's, like, a genuinely awesome guy. And, like, uh, yeah. I know... Uh, people who have either met him or worked with him who have nothing but nice things to say about him. Yeah, yeah. He he kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, who's the one that plays the mummy in the Universal? Is that Lon Chaney? Or is that... Uh, uh, the original mummy. The original mummy. Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Boris Karloff in the face, but obviously, yeah. He, he does look different. It said um, when I looked him up that he had 26 different birth defects. So, like, you know, he's just sort of different looking based on his own genetics and like the way he was born right and they found him and he's just this perfect character for this movie they focus a lot on him in this movie too and he absolutely stands out among the other characters i think um like what what i wanted to do first was kind of talk about how different the family is and then i wanted to talk about how different the cannibals are in both movies because okay. in the movie the the original and then in the uh remake the families are pretty much the same for the most part with like slight variations the yeah, only the exact same makeup too it, it they don't they don't you know this was 2006 this wasn't like we're gonna gender or race swap anybody right this is right. like you know old-fashioned dad old-fashioned right. mom couple of daughters one brother-in-law uh, right. two younger kids and a pair of beautiful german shepherds <laughs> right 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 and, yeah and the baby right and oh, and so, the baby. I forgot the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that really the only main distinction between the two families, because because even the way that they are attacked, the way that they die, their reactions to things are all the same in both movies, right? I'd say the only real distinction is that uh the son-in-law, right? Uh what do you call it? Doug. Uh, Martin Spear, right? Doug Wood, right? He's like a bit more like liberal. They do more of like the liberal versus conservative in the remake. He seems like not as like in the remake, they make it like liberals are soft or like they, they don't know reality or how he's a harsh. Democrat. He doesn't use guns. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so in, in this movie, there's not really that kind of that line drawn between the two. He's a little bit more like I'd say masculine in, in the remake. Doug is like, he becomes more masculine after the horror happens, you know? But otherwise, no, uh, I, I I agree. I I think they make a point of that in the in the the remake to show, like really show his transformation from like I don't want to touch a gun to you know he he goes with the dog and the baseball bat and by the end he's like a fucking blood soaked like action hero. Uh, one, one of my favorite scenes in any movie, but definitely in a horror movie, is when he goes to take out one of the mutants in the remake and he has the axe. And he like flips the axe around, and uh, that's one of my favorite scenes ever. That's a that's like a that's a great framing moment uh, yeah. of the camera in that movie. Uh, I was gonna say that that comes right after Aaron Stanford's um, battle with Pluto, which is one of my favorite like horror movie fight scenes. Yeah, it, the uh, the remake gets to do I think a lot more stuff like that. I mean, it it obviously had a much bigger budget. This was Craven's second movie what i will say is i i think that the 
cannibals themselves are a lot more vile and threatening in the original. Um, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Especially the character of Papa Jupiter, uh, who we kind of find out in the this like weird exposition dump at the beginning by the uh, uh, well, the guy, the gas station attendant. Oh yeah, uh, Fred. Yeah, that he was. Um, that that's like Fred's son, and he right. knew that, and he knew that he was evil. Uh, he killed his mother, and so he like he he like hit him in the face with a an axe or something. Crowbar. A crowbar. Uh, and you get to see that makeup later, and it looks fantastic yeah. uh, on the actor James Whitworth, who plays Papa Jupiter. Right. Uh, and like he basically took him out into the woods, into the woods, into the desert to like let him die. And of course, he doesn't die, and he ends up um, forming like an inbred family of like cannibal savages who like hunt down and you know pull people off the road and you know and and you get the Lance Gordon plays the character of Mars who in the remake is is uh the character's name is a lizard played by Robert Joy uh they are basically the same character they're like one of the, like the main villains real main villains um but yeah, James Whitworth as Papa Jupiter is a lot more present and evil and and really nasty in the original film. Yeah. Uh, they cast Billy Drago, a really good actor, a late great actor, uh, who's been in a bunch of horror movies, and he like barely appears in <laughs> the remake. Like he's he's in the very beginning when he's in the backseat of the car and he captures the dad. And then he has the one scene at the end where he really chases the kids. I feel like a lot of the scenes involving him might have been, like, cut. Cut, yeah. Yeah, maybe there's, like, an unrated edition that I haven't seen where there's more of, of him. Because it feels weird to have, like, a Papa Jupiter character be, like, a side character. Right. Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Because I have seen the, the the remake multiple times, and I really like it. I can remember the scenes pretty well. Um but then when you go back and you watch the original, you're like, oh, okay, it's just like it. But then there's these distinct differences. And it gets exciting because you're like, oh, I didn't know about this guy as much. And so, yeah, they go into his backstory. They explain how the family came to be. And in the remake, it's like they're sort of the product of nuclear testing. And that's why they're all deformed. In the remake, they're more like monstrous looking. And they look like, you know, they're like mutant monsters. Whereas in the, the original, they're sort of like inbred kind of like hippie-ish hillbilly freaks yeah and and it's funny because like you know when you look at it in 2023 you're looking back at this thing it's in 1977 you look at like mama and stuff and you're like oh they're, they're kind of silly looking with their costumes right i'm but, thinking like the way you just described that i'm thinking of like how they would fit on the board in cabin in the woods okay. <laughs> like <laughs> inbred hippie cannibal uh, yes. family yes. versus like mutated nuclear cannibal family. <laughs> right, right. And it's funny because they're both very scary, both versions. In the in the remake, it's much more that you don't see them. You kind of hear their voices more. Um like they don't talk as much. So there's more like mystery and they're they're more menacing and scary. You're like, what am I looking at? What's going on here? There's a lot of that in the uh remake. In the original 
it's they're more like in your face and you kind of see their family dynamic better you see it in both movies but in this in the original you see it more um and one of the scenes in the remake you know the one i saw first was when they burn the uh dad big bob they burn him right and then he's like he's like kind of crucified and they burn him and i remember seeing that in theater and be like oh my god this is fucking starting up right now um in the original they show big bob like actually getting crucified and it's really fucked up they put something in his mouth then they like you know actually put stakes in his hands or whatever um there's also a scene where they talk where papa jupiter talks to his dead body and that's really fucked up too because he basically describes what he's going to do to his family and like the language that he uses is really disturbing i thought yeah i I mean, those first couple of Craven movies are real visceral experiences. They are not pleasant watches. No. Like, I no. did not, I don't enjoy the 1977 Hells Have Eyes. I, I don't, like, I, it's not a movie I feel is supposed to be enjoyed. Whereas, no. as bizarre as this might sound, I think you can, if you're, if you're a horror fan and you're a gore hound, you can enjoy the 2006 movie because right. of its like splatter and gore and m- monster creature effects by KMB, like the way that um, Michael Bailey Smith, uh, the character, uh, the actor who plays Pluto, the way he looks and the way he acts, he acts like the makeup is done and he acts like a combination of uh, Gunnar Hansen's Leatherface from 1974, mm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, Sloth from the Goonies. He kind of <laughs> yes. he kind of looks like this, like amalgamation. If what if Sloth and Leatherface <laughs> became one? <laughs> um, but then there's also these like. Uh, the guy in the wheelchair with the brain hanging off the back of his head. Yeah. yeah. We went into the mines. Yeah. Want... Kill uh, the baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, you don't get that. You don't get there. You know that you don't get these like. Um, there's the moment where Doug Aaron Stanford's character wakes up in like the refrigerator of body parts, and he the the crazy editing of that scene and the music going on. You don't get that in, in, in Craven's movie. Craven's movie is like, here's a bunch of awful shit that we're going to make you watch. Right. Right. And you know, and it's just brutal. It it doesn't, I mean, there's even the scene where uh, the scene that really like fucked me up a little bit. I remember the first time I saw it where they like the two kids like prop up their mother. Their mother's yes. corpse. Yep. To yep. like try to like bait him, bait Papa Jupiter into right. a trap. And I'm right. like, oh my God, can you imagine the men- the like broken down mentality you must have if yeah. that's what you are doing? <laughs> right, right. So disturbing. And you know, that does stick with me. There are things in this original that stick with me, even though I kind of knew, oh, okay, this is this scene, this is this scene. It's like the exact same thing. Um, it still bothered me. Like D. Wallace in this, for example, right? Um, she gets killed pretty much the same way the mother or the you know the daughter who has a baby gets killed in the second one, right? But in this one, 
I felt it felt worse. Like the way the husband reacts, the way Doug reacts when he finds her body, that just really bothered me. Like he's just like really sad and he holds her close and he's like, don't go, don't go. And she's she's clearly dead already. Like it really stuck with me. So I mean, like, there's something to be said. Like the the other the remake is so like well shot and the music is this sort of like dubstep kind of techno-y kind of like uh factory kind of sound um but the the original is just this very like raw emotional fucking upsetting movie i think i think kind of playing off what you said and to take it back to texas chainsaw the reason that i love the texas chainsaw massacre it's one of my all-time favorite movies it top five horror movies that i've ever seen it because there's always this feeling and i've i've rewatched the original texas chainsaw 25 to 50 times there is never a moment i'm watching that movie where i feel like i am watching a movie it always mm. feels like i'm watching something i shouldn't be watching yeah there's always a and it, pardon the word, but there's always a snuff mentality to oh, that yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Craven really gets that in his yeah. Hills Have Eyes. There's, and I think it's also the the, the subtlety of the score, the, the lack of the crazy, like, edits and the loud music in the background. You feel like you're looking at characters that aren't really characters, you know? Yeah. Whereas the 2006 movie is a movie like you know the blood is bright red the yeah, yeah. uh the the music is pumping the, the 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 camera does these wild zoom ins and zoom outs yeah. uh when like bob is big bob is on fire the camera does this like crazy zoom yeah. in on that yeah yep. and then yep. at the very end when you think oh good they survived the camera does this crazy pan out into like oh somebody's still watching them yeah, yeah. There's nothing up. There's nothing like that in Craven's no. movie. It's just bare bones, gritty, raw, visceral, like blood and guts filmmaking. And yep. there, and any time a horror movie makes you feel genuinely uncomfortable for watching something, I feel like it sticks with you. Oh yes, yes, yes. Very, very well put. Very well put. I think um, that. There's scenes in this movie where I'm like, how the fuck did they even film that? Because <laughs> there's a couple of parts where they're holding the baby and I'm like, okay, that's a baby doll, right? That's got to be a baby doll because of the way they're moving. But then you look a little closer and you're like, holy shit, that is a real baby that they're holding in this scene. Like when, uh, what do you call it? Uh, which one is John Barry? Uh, Michael Barryman? Pluto, Pluto, right? Yeah. So Pluto is just carrying the baby and I'm like, okay, he's clearly holding a doll. But then it's like, no, that's a real baby. And there's one part in the camper, which when you're filming inside of a camper, that's such a small space to begin with, right? And and they're they're like wrestling, and the guy's trying to rape the girl, and he does, and you know they're like fighting, and then there's there's shooting and shit, and there's a baby just on the floor screaming. It's like, how the fuck did you film this? Who are the, who are these kids' parents? You know, <laughs> right in the real world that would just let this happen, and you're just kind of like, oh, I feel bad for watching this. Yeah. But but the thing is. There are movies where I feel bad for watching them, and I'm like, well, why did they make this? Just to make me feel bad? But the remake of Hills Have Eyes and this version both have, like, satisfying revenge from the heroes. Like, the victims 
get their revenge, right? And it's very satisfying. Like there's story beats in both that are the same. And in both the original and this one and the remake, they're like real satisfying. Like, I love when the fucking dog attacks anybody in either version. Like I love when Beast is so let me ask you this. I haven't seen the, the remake in a long time. It's Beast in both of them, or is it Beauty in the, the remake? That's no lot. Beauty, Beauty gets killed in both Be- movies. Okay, okay, okay. That's what I thought. Okay, so then um every time that Beast like attacks one of the cannibals i love it in both movies yeah uh what's weird is um michael berryman is actually so wes craven made a sequel Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which i never saw and uh apparently michael berryman is in that movie too even though it's very clear that like at least it to me it was clear the dog killed him and like yeah. ripped his throat out right uh and you see that in much more graphic fashion in the remake uh with a different character right right yeah um in the sequel with in the remake rather uh like i said michael bailey smith is a gigantic stuntman um fun fact he actually played super freddy in a nightmare on oh. elm street five dream child <laughs> oh my god yeah that makes sense okay yeah, I mean, the crazy stuff that happens to the mutants, right? Because here, here's one, or the cannibals. There's there's one thing that's different in the uh, original that is not in the remake. And that um, the scene in the end with Ruby and the baby, and then um, I, I guess it's the same mutant that's going after her, right? At the end? In the, in the, first, in the 77 movie, it's Mars, played by Lance Gordon. In the, in the remake, it's Lizard. Lizard. But they're Mars. the same... They're the same character. Right. It's it's the it's the one that eats the bird and rapes the girl in the cabin. Okay. That, okay. That yeah. So so lizard is the one that has like the fuck the like the cleft palate. Yeah. Thing. Okay. 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 So so in the remake, it's like he's going after the baby. He's going to kill the baby, and then Jupiter and him basically go over a cliff and die. That's the way that they end in that one. In the remake, in this one, it's like much more involved. Like Jupiter gets a fucking snake. <laughs> has him bite him and uh oh, no, like, ruby ruby oh I'm, I'm i'm sorry i'm fucking up yeah, all, yeah. i i you get I know me. what you mean most of them have pl- uh planet names but then yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh but i was like how'd they film that where she's like going to grab the snake they film her grabbing the snake and then it's probably like a you know snake prop that bites him or whatever um and then then dog just stabs him to death oh. um I felt like that was a lot more satisfying than like the way he died in the remake. What did you think? I, yeah, I like, um, there's something really powerful about the ending of, uh, the original, the the 77. Uh, Yeah. Uh, where just Martin Spear, the character plays, uh, the actor plays Doug, just like, stabbing down into the camera with this like crazed look in his eye, having saved his baby, his wife, his in-laws dead and just stabbing into the camera. And that's it. And it's like the movie just ends. It's like (laughs) nothing. It's just like fade to, they fade to red. Yes. It's, It's, it's like a crazy, like abrupt ending. Yeah. Uh, and there's something incredibly powerful about that. Um, yeah, I, I I do like the the ending of the original. I think a little bit better, whereas I like 
the Doug story better in the the remake. Um, yeah. I I mean I do think it's I mean this is a movie that you know we we talked about Michael Berryman and how it launches his fifty year plus career. You know this is a movie that kind of gets forgotten about in the horror pantheon of D Wallace. Um, this is her first horror movie and, you know, just four years later, she's in the howling a year after that. She's, she becomes America's mom in ET, but then between her now as like a genre actress and America's mom, she then goes on to basically be America's mom in the next decade of horror movies. She's in Critters. Uh, she's in a, a Cujo, of course. You know, she's in a, 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 a just a litany of horror films and genre films throughout the '80s and '90s. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite films ever is uh, Peter Jackson's *The Frighteners*, 1996, where she's absolutely insane and awesome in that movie. Um, but yeah, like you know, I feel like. Uh, it's interesting. So she dies in this movie relatively early on. Right. Um, and then if, about six or seven years later, she would be in Cujo uh, where, you know, she has to protect the child from a savage beast monster. Yeah. And, you know, it, I kind of feel like they almost could have gender swapped the character to make her into who, or that character, the mom into the, the cannibal killing, you know, character, oh. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Like, you know, like, I feel like Cujo might be like an alternate universe of what happens with this mother, where the baby grows up to be the kid in the back of the friggin' what is it? A Ford Pinto or whatever. Right. 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 But, yeah. Boy, D. Wallace in this movie, it's hard to imagine her like being, and, I, and with absolutely no disrespect, I've met her. She is phenomenal. She's one of the nicest people. But it is hard as somebody born in 82, which we were, the year E.T. came out, it's hard to picture her as this like sexy young woman. Yes. And yes. she's beautiful in this movie at the beginning yes. of the original. And, and it's like just a couple years Five years later, she's the mom in E.T. And she just, you know, kind of becomes known as that everybody's mom character, you know? Yes, yes. yes. Um, I mean, that's kind of what's interesting about this movie, right? Is that there is like no mercy for anyone in it. They just kill her and it's very sudden and abrupt. You, you know, when you watch the movie, you don't know what's going on. You don't necessarily think that she's going to get taken out. And, and she does, you know, in, in both versions, kind of like, oh, my God, oh, okay, they killed her. Like, you know, they killed the, the mother, the grandmother, and then the father. You're like, okay, the grandfather's definitely going to die because he's an asshole, right? <laughs> but her dying, it's it's very, like, abrupt and sudden and just so sad, man, in this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, um, I think that in the remake, I kind of feel almost like the family kind of deserves it a little bit more. In, in this one, the, the family just seems more normal with the exception of the father who drops like the end bomb at one point. And, yeah, and, like, he's the, like, he's like, oh, yeah, I used to be a cop in Cleveland and I was always taking care of those. And you're like, yeah, oh, 
<laughs> yeah, like I said, like I'm not used to hearing that word, like unless it's like you know a biopic about slavery or you know segregation or like a Tarantino movie, and then all of a sudden like oh shit that you know and he, he says hillbillies too, but I, I think that Craven you know obviously who created all these characters and stuff he was trying to say something about cops and he even says a line in this one which i don't think he says in the remake maybe he did you can correct me if i'm wrong but he says a line of like oh i didn't get killed working the beat or doing this for 25 years but i almost got killed by my wife did you, does he say that in the remake too oh uh, yeah it, it, well in the remake he talks about um how uh, no no i don't think he says something to that i i'm I, my brain is a little frazzled from watching both movies back to back. So like trying to remember bit exact dialogue. dialogue, I'm like yeah. losing a little bit. Right. But in, in the remake, it's more like, okay, you got this conservative gun loving father-in-law and then the son who's like this liberal yeah. Democrat. And I also but, think it's funny how in the remake, keeping in mind the movie was, it came out in 06, which means it was probably filmed in 05. And they're talking about, like the um the 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 son or the son-in-law Doug uh, Aaron Stanford's character, he works for a cell phone company, and I'm like trying to think back. Like, I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't get a I didn't get a smartphone until Charlotte was born. So I didn't get together with Athena until 2008, and then Charlotte was born at the end of 2010. So okay. it's, I didn't get a smartphone probably until mid 2011. So we're talking five years before that. I was probably still driving around with like a flip phone sure. or, you know, like a pull the antenna up kind of phone where like, you remember when you had to send a text message and you would have to hit the number, th like if you wanted to use the letter C, you would have to hit the number two, three times. I think I kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, a cell phone guy in 2005, 2006, when like cell phones were just starting to take off, he's probably, is that was probably a statement even more about like, oh, you're, you're one of these new up and coming, you know, millennials <laughs> who thinks that technology is great and, you know, selling me your flippity phone. And right, <laughs> right. It, it, well, it's funny. I don't even know if the term millennial would have even been around at that point. Right? Good point. Yeah. I mean, he's probably still considered Gen uh, X or whatever. But um, no, I know what you're saying. Like, there's all this commentary in that one. I think in the, the Craven version, it, it's more of like a commentary of like, you know, you live in the city and he's a cop. And he's working in the city. I don't in the remake. Is the guy a cop from the city? Bob? I I, I think so. I think that was the whole point. And then. They were, yeah. I, okay, I okay. So. so I think they focus kind of more on the idea of like, okay, he's a cop from the city, and so he's not used to this situation, like like this craziness that's in the middle of nowhere, right? And it's funny too. One other big difference is um, in the remake. There's the scene where they they talk to the guy at the gas station, and the guy at the gas station just blows his fucking head off. It's just like just bits. He shoots himself the shotgun. In this one, Big Bob finds him, and he's trying to. Uh, hang himself and then like Papa Jupiter just jumps through the fucking window and grabs him and just beats him right yeah in, in this version no uh, in the original yeah it, it's a great jump scare moment like yeah. legit jump scare moment through a window yeah um 
Yeah, I they're they're both. I think the dirtiness and the grittiness of the original makes it like a, a obviously a darker, more memorable film experience. But yeah. I think it's much easier to watch and enjoy the 2006 movie, uh, especially for like the, the like the, the gore and the the the, the the crazy editing uh, that it that's used. I also think it's funny we haven't mentioned, but like the two of the main characters in the remake are played by like Aaron Stanford, who was Pyro in the X Men movies, and he made this in between X Men Two and the far superior X Men: The Last Stand. Shut that, the was fuck up. that was yeah, a joke. That was a joke. I, yeah, I yeah. was trying somewhere. Brian just woke up angry. That was yes, a joke. <laughs> Um, I will say I don't hate The Last Stand as much as a lot of other people do, but I totally, but it's, X-Men 2 is fucking amazing. Uh, and Emily the Raven, um, who was like probably in the middle of season two of Lost, maybe like, because Lost came out in 04 and she was on it from the very beginning. So she was like a breaking out as like this, yeah. you know, monster television star. She was one of the main characters of that show. Yeah. Uh, and for her to go from that to like, you know, raped by cannibal mutants in a, you know, it's not a very favorable role. Neither of these movies do like women characters any like justice. They're either no. like killed off. They're either like they're, they're protective. They fight back, but they are like pretty much beaten down and abused like and and it's like you know i feel like if there was a remake if there would be an updated version of this you know in 2026 20 years after then we might get that version i spoke about where the the, the husband gets killed and I, did you ever see the french movie um revenge it's on shutter it's a rape revenge movie i have not i know what you're talking about though i have not because that that kind of feels like it's in this universe. It it's <laughs> just separate the, obviously take the cannibals out of it and just replace it with like French dude bros. Uh, and it's, it's very similar, okay. uh, you know, in the, in the idea of this like desert wilderness, uh, you know, rape revenge story, uh, brutally violent. Uh, yeah. It's the, that's what I think a remake of this would look like today. Um, okay. More in that spirit. I kind of want to check that out. I know that that's really good. I know that like for Shutter, their main image when you like log into their website, it's like the, the fucking teeth creature from uh, Channel Zero, Nicolas Cage from Mandy, and then the girl from Revenge. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 it's an awesome movie. Fucking nice. great movie. I, I was going to ask you, and this could be kind of like towards the end of our little Hills Have Eyes discussion. Um, did, you said that you did not see the sequel to the original. Did you see the sequel to the remake? I did, and I did not like it at all. I okay. thought it was terrible. Oh, okay. I, I haven't seen it, so it it it's one of those things where it it didn't even feel like a movie. It just kind of felt like a bunch of like violent scenes. Mm -hmm. Like this this movie, there are a large number of characters that in the first. 15 minutes of the movie you care about in both yeah. versions you care yes. about this family 
You know, yes. whether the dad's an asshole, whether, you know, you agree politically with their agendas, you care about this family and you want them to be safe. And you and and the 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 re, the sequel to the remake didn't have any of that. It just okay. was like it was almost like a movie that focused too much on the cannibals for like a, a 90 minutes. But I never saw Craven's Hills Have Eyes 2, um, but I've also not heard very good things about it. And sure. it wasn't long after that where he made the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And that was the movie that kind of catapulted him away from like the low budget, gritty filmmaking. Right. Like almost guerrilla filmmaking and into like, okay, we're going to give you a budget. We're going to give you special effects we're gonna you know we like your creative vision now and you know and then all of a sudden he becomes Wes Craven you know yeah you know I yeah it's almost if Nightmare on Elm Street was not the success that it was I feel like movies like Last House on the Left and The Hills Have Eyes might kind of have been forgotten and you know both of those movies have gotten remakes um updates sequels and, you know, why would somebody in the early 2000s go and remake this, like, brutal horror film from 1975 or 1977? Well, it's because Wes Craven made them. Right. So, right. so like, it, I, if, if Freddy doesn't take off and Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't take off, you know, who knows if, you know, uh, yeah. these movies, we, we'd be talking about these movies today. Wow. Dude, that was a really good way to kind of bring... Wes Craven month to a close right there, you know, just sort of saying like, okay, so this is what happened with his career. We didn't get around to covering music of the heart, but uh, maybe we'll do a Wes Craven month next year. And maybe we'll do Hills Have Eyes part two next year anyway, regardless of what people have said. I still think we, we need to do our like month of horror filmmakers making like romantic comedies uh, and dramas. So we could do music of the heart. We can do, for the love of the game by Sam Raimi with Kevin Costner. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's, Can we there's do Starman? That, Would that work too? Oh, John Carpenter. We could do Starman. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, who else? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I actually kind of would do that just for shits and giggles. I don't know how much I would enjoy music of the heart, but, you know, I did play the violin at one point in my life, so. There you go. There you go. Um, right before we came on, I, I, I think we're done with, Hills Have Eyes, right before we came on, uh, I, I noticed on Facebook that uh, Alan Arkin passed away. Oh, uh, and I see that. Yeah, um, so I want to I do a, a short review sometime this week of Wait Until Dark. Um, Alan Arkin plays a thief uh, trying to capture um, a... a like a, a jar, not a, a statue that has heroin in it uh, from a blind woman played by Audrey Hepburn in the late sixties. One of the, not a horror movie, but one of the scariest thrillers you'll ever see. Um, one notorious scene that he's in always makes it onto the scariest movie moments lists. There was, right. uh, it was, we covered it on, uh, 101 scariest horror movie moments, but what an actor Alan Arkin was. He was just Sarian in Catch 22. He won an Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, he 
One of my favorite roles, he plays the very, very nice attempting to be angry police chief in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, he was incredibly versatile, and it was sad to see that he had passed away right right as we I was, like, about to click record. So. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. So it's real recent. Okay. Yeah, it's a shame. He, he's pretty awesome. I haven't seen that movie, but I do remember covering it on the 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments. And yeah, he's just awesome. Real funny guy in a lot of the movies he's into. Yeah. So, yeah, cool, man. Um, So, yeah, Danny is talking about putting a review like that out. Danny puts out reviews, like, multiple times a week. Once a week, he and I get together. Actually, this week, we got, got together twice a week. We did uh, this movie called Unwelcome, which is on Shutter right now, featuring a bunch of red caps. I don't think that we spoke of, of that movie as highly as we talked about the hills have eyes but you still should check out our review um danny's got a whole bunch of shorts though on the channel um you want to tell everybody what we're thinking about doing next after we have ended uh west craven month yeah uh so later this year david gordon green has a new exorcist film coming out um it's part of a trilogy i believe uh so he has the first of what will likely be three new exorcist films so we thought let's talk about the exorcist we have a review up on the channel from uh a, a christmas time maybe a year or two ago where we covered the exorcist in long form right uh but we'll talk about exorcist three definitely and we are also going to get into the fox show the exorcist yes. Uh, which I remember watching season one and really enjoying it. Um, Chris raves about it all the time, uh, that season two was even better. So uh, we're going to check that out uh, and talk about the Fox series, The Exorcist, and uh, talk about some of the Exorcist films that we haven't talked about. Not Exorcist 2, though. And, uh, you know, we'll, you know, Talk about a little bit about David Gordon Green's upcoming trilogy. Uh, it's got to be better than the Halloween one, right? Oh, still Ooh. shots fired. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, I I'm actually really looking forward to that TV show. And believe it or not, I have not watched The Exorcist 3 from beginning to end. So It's a good one. I, what, that's what I've heard. There, yeah, that there is an argument. There is an argument to be had. I'm not saying I'm going to make it, but there is an argument to be had that it's the best Exorcist movie. Oh man. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna make that argument. Danny's not gonna make that argument, guys. This is the guy that uh messaged us and said that the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy is better than the original Star Wars trilogy. So <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. <laughs> you guys can find him on Twitter at Dr. Zayus G O D. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, we got more stuff to cover on the Laster Cast, so make sure that you guys are subscribed. Thank you so much for watching. Let us know which one you prefer. The Hills have eyes, the original or the uh, remake. We'll see you guys real soon.